Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Beginner Tip 29, where we will discuss which metrics you should be tracking and also which ones you may think that you need to track but that you really don't. But first, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration. As you know by now, electrolytes are a big part of hydration. It's not as easy as fluid in and that makes you hydrated. Electrolytes and sodium in particular come into play here and they determine to a large extent how well you can stay hydrated and get hydrated when you have become dehydrated after a workout or in a workout. As my good man Chris, an athlete that I coach, put it to me in his post-workout comments the other day, he wrote, I had a cramp during the paddles only interval in the second set at 250 meters, probably a bit dehydrated, should have taken half a liter of pH 1000 with me. So he's just one of my athletes that uh, that is using pH and finding it uh, really useful. And if you want to be another person using it and benefiting from it, then use the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, on precisionhydration.com, and that will give you your first box for free. And big thanks to Roka. They produce wetsuits, trisuits, swimsuits, skin suits, eyewear, goggles, all these sorts of things, and they are really the best in the world. Roka is the premium brand for top quality, highly R&D and technologically advanced apparel that helps you find faster. And that's their hashtag, by the way, on social media, hashtag find faster. You can follow that. And Roka has generously given all that Triathlon Show listeners a 20% discount off your entire order when you use the promo code that Triathlon Show, all one word, all caps on Roka.com. And it ships worldwide, so you can use that to wherever you are in the world. All right, so back to the main topic for today which metrics you should be tracking. There are two categories of metrics that you should track, and uh, they are process metrics and performance metrics. And uh, you don't need to track many of them. I will list the ones. There are three of them, actually, that you should be, or three process metrics and uh, three performance metrics, to be clear. Uh, no more than that is needed, and if and you actually shouldn't, because if you do, it will more likely than not take your focus away from what is truly important. And if you are a self-coached athlete, you need to really be ruthless about prioritizing what is important and what's not, and you cannot lose time and energy on shiny objects or shiny metrics. And metrics really is an area where a lot of athletes get this wrong and start focusing on the wrong things. So uh, you need to nail the basics and uh, when it comes to net metrics as well as anything, and that is why I made this episode in the first place. So let's start with the process metrics that you need to be tracking. Number one is compliance. What is compliance? It's simply how well you follow your training plan. So on a monthly basis, calculate how many percent of your planned workouts that you executed more or less as planned and how many you did not. This tells you how consistent you are and how well you stick to your plan. And your compliance should be at least 85%. Otherwise, you need to take a step back and figure out where you're going wrong. 
Is your plan unrealistic, in which case you need to modify it and make it make it realistic? Or is it just that you don't follow it? If so, why? Do you get sick a lot? If so, why is that? Do you lack sleep? Do you have improper nutrition habits? You, you need to dig deep here and find out why you can't reach that compliance goal that is super important. And if your answer is that, well, what if I don't have a plan? Uh, then I can't track compliance. Then you need to go back to the drawing board because uh, no matter what your level is, a beginner or super advanced, everybody needs a plan, whether it's one that you create yourself. I'll link to an episode that I made, episode 84, which is called Beginner's Guide to Training Plans. That's a great place to start when it comes to learning how to create a training plan. Or So whether you create one yourself or you buy a good training plan online, or you have a coach that makes your plan individually for you, which is, of course, the best option. But no matter what option you use there, compliance is the most important metric of all, uh, including process and performance metrics, uh, pretty much. Uh, So don't brush this one away. Uh, Really, seriously, guys, compliance is the king of all metrics. Number two for process metrics is weekly training hours. And I want to be clear, it's not useful to obsess over training volume, definitely not useful to compare what you do with what your friends are doing, because everybody is different, but you should still be tracking your weekly training hours. And this is first and foremost to make sure that you don't do too much too soon. And I won't go into detail here, but uh, just make sure that that you stay at one particular volume and can handle it, prove to yourself that you can handle it without getting sick, injured, Uh, for a couple of weeks so let's call it you do five hours one week and uh, then you do it the next week as well and maybe even a third week and then you graduate to five and a half hours for the following three week block or so and also throw in the odd easier week where you might have just three to four hours of training Uh, so this is the whole concept and why it's one of the reasons that it's very important to track weekly training volume But the second reason is uh, that this is another way to check for consistency. If you're bouncing around between seven hours one week and two hours the next, that's that's no good. You you want to be, let's say if instead you're doing consistent five-hour training weeks, that can be plenty even though the total training time is, is almost identical. And uh, But you can improve much more on doing those consistent five-hour weeks than bouncing around between seven and two-hour weeks. So you want to see consistency here as well. Big picture, of course, you can also look at the monthly and even yearly training volume. So how much you your training volume changes from month to month. So you can use that to track progression, but also to track consistency again in a slightly broader scale. So that's process metric number two, weekly training hours. And the final process metric is training distribution. So how much time do you spend swimming, biking, and running? And uh, it's nowhere near as important as the other two. I'll make that clear. And if you have a good training plan from the start, like one your coach gave you or one a good plan that you bought online, and you know it's good because you bought it from a reputable source, and, and if you have a high compliance to that plan, like you, you are at 90% plus, uh, so you do pretty much all of the workouts in the plan to a T, then you don't even need to worry about this. You don't need to track it because it's taken care for you by the fact that you have a good training plan and you follow it to a T. 
But if you're self-coached, I would recommend tracking this because it's easy to fall into a trap of doing more training in your favorite discipline and uh, less training in your least favorite. And that's a really good way to become a really unbalanced uh, triathlete, which of course you don't want. So there's no one magic answer to what your training distribution should be. It really depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are and a whole host of other factors. But if you have a clear weakest discipline, then that might usually be where you spend most of your time. But uh, if you're reasonably balanced, on the other hand, for beginners, that might result in quite an even training distribution or maybe maybe slightly favoring the bike time-wise. So for example, my beginner training plans have all have a distribution of around roughly 40% cycling, 30% swimming and 30% running. So training distribution does not make sense to track on a weekly level, but on a bigger picture scale, so monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis. It's okay to have weeks where you're not at your target training distribution. You might be traveling without a bike, for example, but on a monthly basis, you can make up for that. And that's why it's a metric that you should be tracking on a a bigger, longer time period. All right, so let's talk about the performance metrics. The first and most important one of which is uh, pretty obvious, it's race results, splits and placement. Even though it's obvious, it's surprising how many people forget to really look into their race results as a means to see how they are progressing. Even though some of them might spend a lot of time looking at more advanced things like the performance management chart and things like that, which uh, as I'll tell you about in a little bit, beginners should not be bothered about at all. But for your race results, of course you should track time, but uh, total race time I mean. But bear in mind that this is truly comparable only on identical or very similar courses in very similar conditions. Because courses are of different length, different terrain, weather conditions can vary significantly and that significantly affects your time. So bear that in mind. The swim, bike and run splits are a bit more flexible because maybe... There's a really windy bike in one race, but uh, the run isn't affected as much because it's uh, more secluded or whatever it is. So you can compare the run split to your previous race's run split as well. So so this gives you flexibility to compare on a swim, bike and run specific basis individually, the splits between different races. But also a really good measure of performance is to look at your placement as a percentage of all participants in your gender. So what's your placement in the male of all males or all females in the race and compare to that. And don't use your age group here because the sample size there is much smaller, way too small often to be relevant, but gender is often not. So let's say as an example that you placed 71st out of 100 females in one race then you're at the 71st percentile and that can be used as your benchmark and let's say that your next race you place 110th out of 200 females that means you're now at the 55th percentile so you have improved compared to the rest of the field and that is a great way to measure progress and performance performance metric number two is performance itself in benchmark workouts And by that, I mean here in this context, time trials to set your training zones, really. And this is very important to do regularly as a beginner. Every six weeks or so, you should be doing these benchmark workouts to update your training zones. 
I'll link to episodes 27, 29, and 30 on the podcast, which are all about training zones for swimming, biking, and running specifically. They are in the episode description. And uh, so these benchmark workouts really are very simple. For example, a 20-minute time trial on the bike and the run, or for example, a 400 plus 200-meter time trial on the swim. And these you can and should make as controlled as possible. So run the same course every time or go to the same track try as much as possible to get the same weather or similar weather and run at the same time of day go to the same pool do the bike on an indoor trainer perhaps since you can control so much then you can and should see how you progress from benchmark workout to benchmark workout and over a longer time period as well like looking back three or four tests ago where were you then and where are you now and Remember here that if you have one blip where you're not improving, maybe your uh, your performance is actually reducing, then that's not the end of the world. That's expected. It does happen. You might just have had a bad day or other factors like sleep, nutrition might have played in. But uh, if, uh, if in the next one as well, like 12 weeks from the previous test, you still haven't improved from that initial one, then that's when you need to again start asking yourself if you're planning your training the right way, and if you're executing it the right way. So this is a good way to validate if uh, any one of those two, like the training planning or the training execution, is off. And the metrics themselves in this context are pretty evident, like for a 20-minute run time trial, how far did that get you? And what was the pace that you ran at uh, for that 20 minutes? For a swim time trial, how long did that 400 and 200 meter, those intervals take you? And what was the pace per 100 meter for that? The bike can be a bit more difficult if you don't have a power meter. Uh, so I recommend signing up for Trainer Road and using virtual power in that case. Or you can use your trainer, trainer's built-in power if it has that. Otherwise, maybe you do go outside to a good stretch of road and make sure that you start at the exact same point every time. Try to get very similar weather and measure how far you get and what your average speed is. You could even do this at the velodrome. And finally, performance metric number three is performance in workouts that you repeat regularly. So this is very similar to the previous point, so I'll be brief. But this one refers to key workouts, hard workouts, uh, that are, for example, interval workouts that uh, that are very similar and that you do, let's say, you do every every few weeks or so. So maybe you do a 10 times 100 meter swim, and maybe the next time you do it, it's actually 12 times 100 meters, but they're both the same distance, and maybe both are on, let's say, a 20 second recovery. So you can still compare results, and it's highly relevant, and just take these modifications into account if needed. So in this example, if you do the first, the 10 times 100 meter swim, and you do them at 2 minutes, 10 seconds uh, per 100, and then two weeks later, you do 12 times 100 on the same re- recovery period at, uh, at a faster average time, like 2 minutes, 5 seconds. That's great progress. And since the workouts are almost identical, you can and should absolutely compare them. Two caveats here. Never compare your easy aerobic endurance workouts, only your hard key workouts. And caveat two, again, you can't accept expect to improve every single time but over a longer time period you should be improving or again you need to evaluate your training planning and execution 
Finally, very briefly, metrics you should not be tracking. First, all advanced shiny metrics that Training Peaks or your whatever training platform you're using uh, is giving you, uh, you shouldn't at this at this point be bothered about these things. Things like training stress score, the performance management chart metrics, all of these other uh, shiny things and and metrics, they can be very useful. Uh, don't get me wrong, but at this point. They are very far down the pecking order for you and they will not make you a faster triathlete by focusing on them. The second thing you should not be tracking is distances. There's very good consensus among coaches that training should be prescribed to time and not to distance. Some exceptions are swimming, but the time is still taken into account in the planning process. So for example, whereas a beginner might do 8 times 100 meter an intermediate athlete might instead uh, be doing be doing 12 times 100 meter or something like that. So uh, so do not measure distances. A, a good example here is riding uh, riding the bike, riding for one hour on a fast and flat road in a tailwind, and compare that to riding uphill or in very mountainous terrain for one hour. Obviously, you're going to go a farther distance in the first case, but that does not mean that it's uh, effective training. And for running, it can be downright dangerous in terms of injury risk to focus on distance, as athletes tend to run too fast to get their training for the day done when they have to go, let's say, 6 kilometers rather than 35 minutes. If you need to go 6 kilometers, it's easy to end up speeding up way more than you should. And finally, volume. This is, one, this is a funny one because I previously said that you, you should be tracking your volume. But what I mean by this is that, yes, you should be tracking your volume, but that's to monitor consistency and the right progression. But what you should not use this metric for is to chase volume as an end goal, because it isn't and should never be an end goal. You need to focus on training in a smart and structured way at a volume that you have gradually built up to, that you can handle given your training history, your life constraints, and chasing improvements in how well you use your current training volume rather than how much training volume you are actually doing. Maybe, given your goals, given your training history, you could and it would be recommended to do more training volume. That's something for another podcast, but uh, that's never, never, ever the end goal itself. So do bear that in mind. All right, I hope that you enjoyed this and found it useful. As I mentioned, I'll link to all the related episodes, the Beginner's Guide to Training Plans, episode 84, and the Training Zones episodes 27, 29, and 30 uh, for swimming, cycling, and running. They're all linked to in the episode description. And if you are new to the podcast, you heard me talk a little bit about training plans. I want to mention that I do have some training plans, great training plans for beginners on my website that you can buy. They're incredibly affordable. It's 29 euros for eight-week plans. And they also have a money-back guarantee if for whatever reason you're not happy with them. That's how confident I am in them and in that you will get results with them just like other athletes before you have. Big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. If you're looking for wetsuits, trisuits, buoyancy shorts, it can be great for beginners to have a good position in the water, which allows you to better practice your arm stroke. All sorts of apparel, sunglasses, and goggles. You can find them on roka.com, and you can get them for 20% off 
using the promo code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps. And big thank you to Precision Hydration. You may have heard my previous uh, beginner tip, beginner tip 28, hydration fundamentals. If not, make sure you go and listen to that. That's where I talk about all sorts of things that you need to know when it comes to hydration. And it can be pretty mind-boggling, but that episode should set you straight. And uh, after you listen to it, you will realize that uh, in some situations you do need electrolyte supplements. And Precision Hydration has the best electrolyte supplements, in my opinion. They can be customized and should be customized to your individual needs. And you can do that easily by taking their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.